Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Willie West in for Walker. Hope you're enjoying yourself on this Monday, the 19th day of December 2022. It is confessional time for yours truly. I've been on the PhD weight loss diet for four months as of Thursday. And there, there might have been a situation where this weekend I saw something that I absolutely had to have, which was a trace lechase cake. I definitely took mm. a... Uh, a bite off of uh, Julianne's plate. Okay. Maybe a second bite off of Julianne's plate from yeah. a Trace Leche's cake. But it was a fantastic event that we had on uh, Saturday night with the folks at Min City Collective. I want to shout out our guys, David Gussler, Matt Chantry, for inviting me and uh, and for and inviting Jess. Unfortunately, Jess couldn't make it. She's still overseas. But had a fun time out there Saturday night. And I did something over the weekend I hadn't done in a long time, okay. Wes. Uh, and that was not eat sugar, but play FIFA because it was at the Carolina oh, Esports Hub. Okay. And so... My fiance and I, we had never played video games against each other. Mm. And I, of course, was playing her in FIFA without showing her actually the controls. And I'm, I'm guessing <laughs> that if she actually had a couple of games to kind of get it underneath her uh, underneath her, her apps there, she would have been able to actually beat me. But uh, yeah. that was uh, that was really, really cool. I, I'd never been to one of those like, like eSports hub type places. That was really, really cool looking. It's amazing, man. I hope I get to be able to do that as well, man. And I've never played FIFA before and I know how popular it is. The only FIFA I've played never, is FIFA you, Street. You've never played FIFA? I've never played FIFA. All I've played is it's FIFA Street. It's so addictive. Because when I was into video games, FIFA was a thing mm -hmm. when I was really playing, but it wasn't getting as popular as it is now to where I think if I was a, a gamer now, I probably would buy FIFA. FIFA really hit like FIFA 02 was like the real first one that mm -hmm. I remember playing a lot, and then and then the the 06 one was the one where it really started. They did the World Edition, and then they ended up yeah. going going nuts with it, especially after the World Cup. But yeah, it's those those World Cup FIFAs are the ones that are kind of the 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 universally recognized as the better ones. Yeah, man. Like I said, I, I, FIFA Street though, I did play that, and that was a lot of fun. It was like an animated kind of arcade style soccer game. You remember, you remember that N was fun. Remember NBA Street? Come on, man. NBA Street was awesome. like I said. We we go down this path, man. I NBA Street was so fun. I bought the mm. I bought uh, all three of them. I played the one next gen one. It wasn't that good. But NFL I Street loved, not as cool, but I did like it though. That is cool. I, I did like it, but it wasn't as good as the NBA Street. NBA Street was absolutely one of my favorite games ever. So I was playing with Tottenham against Charlotte FC, mm -hmm. the first one, because I really just wanted to show her kind of how it worked, because she wanted to use Charlotte FC. And then I used Charlotte FC against Tottenham. Charlotte FC against Tottenham is a little bit a little bit more difficult to play against. So FIFA includes the MLS team. It does. Oh, it does. that's dope. Mm -hmm. And sure, this is actually the first year that Charlotte FC is uh, was put in uh, into the game. So you're actually able to use the real players like Svitersky and, uh, and Bronico and Bender. Uh, Charlotte FC did make a move today. They ended up adding David Pareba officially to their MLS Next Pro roster. So congratulations to them there. Their schedule actually comes out tomorrow. Uh, but we will, do, we, we will talk a little bit more about that later in the week. But we want to focus this portion on what happened yesterday in Qatar. Va Montiel. Montiel va. No! No! 
Argentina campeón del mundo. Argentina campeón del mundo. Argentina es campeón del mundo. Pero el cielo lo hizo Diego. Lo hizo Cuchufo. Lo hizo el Tata. Lo hizo Luque. Lo hicieron ustedes jugadores. Hey, you don't need to understand Spanish to understand how hyped Andres Cantor was. Amazing. He was crying, right? He was very much yeah. crying. If, if you've seen the video with uh, that he put up as well with the the POV video of him, I've got to see. He was uh, he was getting hugged by his co-commentator, and and he was very much in tears. That's an Argentinian native, Andres Cantor, with the call on Telemundo, but it encapsulated a lot of stuff with just the way that game played out. France looked. Absent for the first 70 minutes of that game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely absent. And yet one call goes their way with a penalty. And that, that that was probably more of a legit penalty than the first one was. But call goes their way. They get a penalty. Mbappe scores a worldie to get it to extra time. And then you think Messi scores an absolutely amazing goal. They go up 3-2. And yet they get a handball in the box. And it goes to penalty kicks. And I absolutely cannot stand it's the worst way to decide a match, penalty kicks. It's mm. the worst way to decide a match ever. I don't know what the I don't know what the alternate uh, solution is. Though. Do most soccer enthusiasts said, share that opinion? Oh, they yeah. hate penalty oh, kicks because yeah. for a fan like a novice like myself, I kind of enjoy it because of the drama. But I do feel like a lot of times, not saying they're easy, but you know they they kick it and the goalie goes a complete other direction. It seems like they're kind of. I'll, I'll I'll put this. Into a, into a college Educate football. I, I will put this into, into that perspective. The two-point conversion rule at the end of overtime, uh-huh. did that irreversibly tick you off when that happened, when they when they made that rule? It went after a certain amount. After, uh, like, after two overtimes, now we have to do a two-point conversion off? No, I kind of like it because then the game's going to end up getting decided. If you have two offenses and but neither can stop each other, then something's got to get. I didn't think we needed that rule. We went how long without needing that rule? I don't yeah. think we needed that rule. Mm-hmm. And again, it just it, to me... It devalues. It's it's not a true representation. Now, what they did used to do in the opening stages of the MLS's infancy, mm-hmm. they would do something a little bit different where they had you had the ability to dribble up and the goalie had the opportunity to come out and challenge mm-hmm. you. And it was like a one on one situation when it came to the shootout. And, and uh, they've done it in some other leagues since and before, but it only lasted the first couple of years of the league. But those, and Jessica Trotman can speak to this because she's talked to me about this a couple of times. She would relish something like that because that gives the goalie a little bit more of a chance. Yeah. But I, I don't even know if that would even be the, the right way to go about it because then you're dealing with injuries and things of that nature. It still was an amazing game and, and probably the, be, the best final in my lifetime that I can remember watching. Are you for maybe them doing like just playing overtime until there's a sudden death? Somebody scores. See, I, I don't even the, the the problem that I think a lot of people have with it is that you get to a certain point in the game, whether it's like the 100th minute or whatever, where it seems like both teams are playing for penalties. Now that was not the way the game went yesterday. They were both trying to win it before it got the penalties. I think because uh, France is in a scenario where they subbed off two of their best penalty kick takers and Claude Giroux and one other player. They they had uh, not Claude Giroux, uh, uh, Olivier Giroud. Okay. Claude Giroud played. Hockey, my bad. Yeah. Uh, Olivier <laughs> Giroud of, of France. Uh, and 
they were in a situation where they felt kind of at a disadvantage going to penalty kicks, so they wanted to win the game right there. Uh, Argentina had a similar situation. They stopped off, I think, one or two of the guys who they would have wanted up there, but they felt kind of confident, and their goalkeeper, Emmy Martinez, had had a great penalty shootout in the earlier portions of the tournament, but... I do feel like sometimes penalty kicks is like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like if a game goes to extra time, it's very rare that it doesn't go to penalty kicks. There was actually, I think the 76 World Cup Argentina played in and they won in extra time. They won 3-1 with two goals in extra time before it went to penalty kicks. But I think that's part of the reason why some people don't like it is because it just seems like after the 90-minute mark, sometimes between teams, the game kind of turns off with that extra time period. So then I would ask you too, a lot of people talk about the big upsets in this World Cup, how great it was. Mm-hmm. And then for you to get the ending with a player like Messi to finally get that World Cup and be able to ride off into the sunset, so to speak, was this World Cup everything you thought it was going to be? Was it satisfying? Oh, it was. I, I would have liked a deeper run for the United States. Uh, they had a tough matchup in that game against the Netherlands. And, and I think that's that was the only thing that was missing for me that this World Cup didn't have, but it had everything else. It had incredible upsets. It had high quality. And the other part, too, that I think it did have is that you saw you saw the passion of all these different countries. And the one thing that I think Charlotte really showcased when we were out at all these watch parties is that, you know, you've got people who are factions for all these different countries, whether it's South American countries, whether it's Mexico, mm. uh, the United States, and even some of the European countries. I know a lot of people were out there uh, for some of the England matches as well. Uh, a lot of people over at Courtyard Hooligans and uh, and Dilworth uh, as well. They they were very much drawn to this. And I think a match like Sunday, I was in the paint at the press box. And it was leading up to the start of the game uh, against uh, between the Panthers and the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. Nobody was looking out of the field at the national anthem. They were all watching the end of that game and the end of penalty kicks. That is how enrapturing this tournament is. And I just hope that it carries over to Charlotte FC and carries over to the next World Cup, which comes here in North America four years from now. Yeah, it should be really cool. I know uh, my son and I went to a Charlotte FC game this year. We had a blast. I uh, saw you wore the uh, uh, the, uh, yeah, the of, jacket, one, one the, the jackets, flowery yes. jacket. Yeah, I got that. My son got a soccer ball. I got my girl a shirt, my mom a shirt. So I spent Skrilla at the team shop. But we had a good time. And luckily, we went because we went to the game when they played Tennessee. Mm. And they scored like five Nashville, goals. Yes, yeah, yes. they went off. Four, so that, that was, was a 4 1 game where. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was it was it was a little closer than I think a lot of people thought it was going to be at the mm-hmm. beginning, and then for whatever reason they just they just turned it on the last little bit yeah. and scored like three goals in very quick succession. Yeah, and then my son who looks for any reason to be able to yell and act a fool, them scoring four goals gave him plenty of reason to be able to almost lose his voice. It is a lot more of a family atmosphere out there for a Charlotte FC game than you would see at any other sporting event that we have in this town. Yeah, and it was fun because, like, you know, I've taken them to, to, to college football games and, and we've been to Hornets games and stuff like that. But the environment at a soccer game is so different when you're talking about the chance and how they come up with the signs and, and fans come up. I think – it's got to be the only sport that the fans come up in these big contingents mm-hmm. together. They come up in these massive groups um, approaching the stadium. So it was certainly a different experience. I enjoyed it, and I plan to at least go you know, to a game or two each season. We'll have to do a station outing there with everybody out No there. doubt. No doubt. Now, there is one other thing that is burgeoning right now. Okay. All right. And that is that Itty Bitty Fitty uh-huh. <laughs> was kind of teasing this to me over the weekend. 
the World Cup might have re-energized his love of the beautiful game to the point where he might actually make a return to the Premier League rooting ranks. And he is trying <laughs> to get me once again to recruit him to my beloved Tottenham Hotspur because he, at the start of this, was somewhat ticked off uh, that I didn't recruit him, that he ended up choosing my favorite team's supreme rival, which is Arsenal. And now he's like, Willie, I need you to recruit me to be a Tottenham fan. And I'm thinking, I, I just, I need a question about your commitment level. Because if I'm going to put resources into your potential Premier League fandom, I have to know it's going to be reciprocated in kind, and you're not going to leave me at the altar like you did the Gunners. Yeah, no, I mean, like, first off, I would just advise you to advise me to not spend $250 on gear. No. That was, like, the first real major mistake that I did. But, yeah, no, this World Cup, and, I mean, I really just watched with intent focus from the U.S.'s knockout round on. That final yesterday, uh, I said holy bleep for, like, an hour straight because that's how just ridiculous it was. They almost kicked me out of the uh, Panther press box because so, like, of how much I was going crazy. You know, my, my interest is re is re re-energized. And I think you, you you know you forget when the Premier League season started, I was all in, mm. and I and I knew the and, and I knew the players, and I had the stats, and I had good I had good uh, takes on what was going on on the pitch. And then football season came. No, no, it wasn't even football season. It was that first seven thirty a.m. kickoff where I think Arsenal played like Wolves or or Brentford or somebody like that, and you're like, to heck with this, I ain't getting up at 7.30. Yeah, so, you know, but now I'm back, and, you know, look, we, there was a whole thing about how I had supported Arsenal and I bought all this gear, and now you're in charge of selling the gear. You're correct. Which, as you told me this morning, has still not been sold at all, and I gave you this gear roughly two months ago. So, I have been dealing with some preoccupations, including planning a wedding and a party. What's more important, your your wedding yes. or your yes. or me? <laughs> the wedding is more important. The wedding is always more important. Well, get, I mean, smart answer. We can already tell that Julianne's got you whipped. But, I mean, I think it's more that I'm asking you to recruit me since you're this, selling off the Arsenal gear to to re, to recruit me to support Spurs. Did this man just not get done telling us on Sunday about how I was much, just about to say how, he is well on his way. I was about to say, you have the audacity to say that another man is whipped. That doesn't make a lot of sense at all. <laughs> what do you mean? Am I whipped? No. You're on your way, though. You could very well be by the end of this week. Wow. You think I'm that easy? Yes. Yeah. You're not yes. wrong. Yes. <laughs> Who knows you in this studio other than Flounder yeah. better than me? If you take them on coaching, you might be all right. But I don't know if it, you might be a lost cause. Uh, Man, Les, that kind of hurt. <laughs> I said, if you do, I said, you might be. I didn't say you were. But just, you know, keep following my coach. Uh, Stanford P says I'm more important than your wedding. <laughs> so, not, I mean, look, at least one of the faithfuls is out here speaking the truth. I'm sorry. I don't pay attention to what Liverpool fans say between the hours of 8 and 8 in the daytime. It is Sports <laughs> Radio 92.7 WFNZ. After 8, maybe we'll talk. We'll talk a little bit more about the Panthers and the Steelers. Um, I'm going to say it right now. I didn't get this one right. And I think the man across from me might have. Sports Radio 92.7 <laughs> WFNZ. Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. I didn't mean to uh, to spill your business there in the segment about your uh, your love life there, Itty Bitty Fitty. 
He said it was going to come out today. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure you did because we had gone a whole <laughs> hour and, and some change without it being brought up. But I mean, like, I'm comfortable with it coming, you know, being talked about. Like, yeah. you're, you're talking to a guy who talked about some of the stuffed animal on the radio. Mm-hmm. Like, the, talking about going how, on a date doesn't how, offend how me. Is, uh, how is my guy, uh, Sir Minty, by the way? Dude, Sir Minty, uh, he's a very good, he's a very good companion. He, he likes to sit in the recliner. He was there this weekend while I was overcoming some sickness. Um, and then, yeah, when I go to work, he just kind of sits on the couch, and him and Ramsey have a staring contest till I get back home. <laughs> This man's devotion to his stuffed animals is is the stuff of legends. Uh, what was literally what was not the stuff of legends is what happened with the Panthers getting stuffed themselves uh, at the line of scrimmage time after time after time. Aaron likes that one. Uh, when it comes down to what happened on Sunday against Pittsburgh, and looking back at our top ten from Friday, our top ten most important players. I believe you had Alex Highsmith on your list. I surely did. I believe you had Minka Fitzpatrick on your list. He was number two. I believe you had Cam Hayward on your list. He was three. Did you have J.C. Horn on your list? I did. I had him at seven. Mm-hmm. I now, believe. I yeah. didn't appreciate what you said to the to the uh, to the Rick man. Uh, earlier when uh-huh. you said that this proves that J.C. Horn is not a player. Uh, no, I, no, no, I did not say that. I, That's you, not what I said. You said something to the effect of, you know, J.C. Horn, you know, didn't really didn't really show much because he didn't have the opportunities because he actually had his man locked down in George Pickens after they switched on George Pickens. Well, I think that's debatable because I think that they had such a good matchup on the other side. I think they just continued to go there. They didn't really have to go at J.C., and I've said it a million times, J.C.'s a good player. I think he's a really good young player. But this lockdown moniker that he's gotten around here from the fans, I disagree with. And also, to further that point, I said I think that shutdown corners are a thing of the past because of the rules. I think there's no such thing as a lockdown corner anymore uh, in pro football. The, the problem that I had was that I actually took the entire offensive line unit as my number one pick. <laughs> and those dudes, I mean, put them all on milk cartons. Yeah. Iki Aquanu got run over by a freaking safety. And then and then got spin moved by Alex Highsmith on a very very great technical move which I'm not going to get him I'm not going to get sideways on I'm more angry about getting you know overrun by a blitz okay I'm gonna back. I'm gonna I'm gonna defend Iggy right here okay because mm-hmm. I did get a little annoyed with the announcement what he said because he clearly has the vantage point and the resources to do better than what he did Iggy tripped over the guard's feet and that's why he got laid on his back you could clearly see it. As he was in his drop, they crossed feet. His right leg tripped over the guards, the left guard's left leg. That's how he ended up on his back. Now, was he high in his in in his um, you know, in his protection and he got up under his pads? Surely he did. That's how he was able to, you know, push his momentum backward. But he did not get blown up by safety where he just got laid out. I just I didn't like that cuz I'm like he got tripped I'm not here for the slant on something that wasn't there, okay? But he did have a hard time because, as I said, and that's why I had T.J. Watt number one, he may not be having the season that people are used to him having, but that's still doggone T.J. Watt. That man is still a monster, and he showed you that on Sunday, and I just thought to a man, those matchups inside, especially with how they've been graded analytically, Haywood is ranked among the top five D tackles in football. Watt still has a – 
uh, a, a pretty nice grade. I don't think he's been as great as he has been in the past, but we still know what he represents. And then Highsmith has been playing great football as well. And I just thought when you look at those three on the line, one-on-one matchups, and then you add the blitz equivalent to that, putting that into the equation where they're creating one-on-one matchups, Taylor Moten is not stopping T.J. Watt. Icky just isn't there yet. He's going to get there to where he can shut down a guy like Highsmith. And then Casey Hayward, we know what he is on that inside. I mean, he's a bull, and he showed that. Uh, guys uh, on the text line says, thank you, Wes. These people who don't know ball need to go sit down somewhere. And it's not that <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to sit nah, here. you know, everybody has that. And, and, and I think the problem that I have is that, and I talked about this earlier in the program, is that it was very easy to know what the Carolina Panthers were doing. Mm-hmm. And I just hoped that Steve Wilkes had a better backup plan from the offensive line perspective and from the offense's perspective. And the thing comes down to, I just don't know if I can trust Ben McAdoo as this offensive coordinator beyond this year, which is part of the reason why the initial discussion about wanting to hire an offensive-minded head coach, pair Mm -hmm. him with a young quarterback, all started about Mm -hmm. eight weeks ago when we had the Matt Rule firing and people were wondering, you know, what kind of chance does Steve Wilkes have on getting this job? We'll talk about the Wilkes part of this a little bit later, but I do want to get into the Brian Burns scenario because Brian Burns last two weeks has a half a sack and one quarterback hit, and we know that he is basically the center of the team's opposition game plan right now. The Panthers did not blitz nearly as much against Pittsburgh as they did against Seattle. A lot of that was personnel dependent because they didn't have C.J. Henderson. When you have C.J. Henderson and you're able to play those guys kind of on not zero coverage, but but at least on more of a man coverage and not have the safety help and use those guys as blitzers, it was a lot easier for them to do that against the Seahawks than they uh, could against Pittsburgh with Henderson out. Do you feel like Henderson was the key to basically the Panther defense becoming somewhat paralyzed in a way? Uh. A little bit. Deontay Johnson's a pretty good player. I think they would have worked that matchup. Now, they might not have had as much success had he been out there, but I still think they would have uh, worked that matchup. And then to your Burns point said, you know, you're just wondering, is he still learning and growing at the position, or is this just what we're going to have to expect uh, from him, you know? And so that's the that's the thing that you kind of worry about. Like I said, when you talk about the top of the top guys, uh, you know, even a TJ Watt, as we just said, not maybe having the year that he's had in the past, but we know that he's been a little bang up, banged up. You look at the Nick Mo, the Nick Bosa's of the world and guys of that ilk, and they're they are guys who command constant double triple teams. They create so much for others, and they just cause that much havoc on the line. But I did see some good things from him because on uh, the 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 play w- that Louisville ended up getting the credit for the sack, but that was a really nice pass rush by Brian Burns. I had seen a move from him. I hadn't seen uh, that often from him before, but he comes in, hits the guy with the one hand bull rush, lifts him up, gets him out of the way, and gets back there. If Louisville didn't get him, he would have. And that was the thing I said I wanted to see from him this year was just him being able to consistently dominate offensive linemen because I felt like when you look back at a lot of his tape, a lot of sacks that he would get would be busted uh, 
protections or he would get free runs to the quarterback and things like that. And I just wanted to see him put that hand in the dirt and just win that war on a constant basis. So I have been seeing him improve in that area. But for those people out there who are saying that, oh, you know, this is the reason why you should have traded him for two first round picks and stuff like that. To get what? He's got ten and a half sacks. The season's not over with. He could very likely break the franchise record for sacks in a season. There's no guarantee in a draft you're going to find a guy as good as he is. But weren't you the one who sat there and told me that the Panthers need to be thinking about the draft more than they have to think about the playoffs? No, they do, but you don't get rid of young pass rushers. There are premium positions in this league. I I don't disagree with you. Yeah, quarterbacks, left tackles, defensive ends, pass rushers, corners. And so when you get a good young pass rusher that's under 25, we saw he made the list. Uh, I think he was at 11, I believe, of the top 25 players under 25 years old or something like that. So those guys don't grow on trees. So, you know, I think that you have to just kind of live with it. He's not going to get a sack a week for now. And I think he's just – I lean on the side that he's going to continue just to learn and grow at that position. And he will get to the point more than likely next year where he's just a guy that just is really becomes a dominant player. I really wish people did grow on trees so that we actually could actually use that phrase. <laughs> you could go for some for something. I, I wish, okay, or just pluck a Yeah, we need a, a pass quarter, rusher. Or, Boom. A, or a quarterback. Yeah. Or, you know, Let's get him. Offensive strategist that is more uh, ingenuitive than uh, than Big Ben Sweaty McAdoo. But this does bring about the question from a lot of people does this performance shape the way the final three weeks are going to go for the Carolina Panthers. You've got a Detroit team coming in here highly motivated off a victory over the Jets. They've gone from 1-6 and six to 7-7. Seven and seven. Mm-hmm. You've got the Buccaneers who come in in the penultimate week needing a victory to keep their playoff hopes and NFC South Divisional hopes alive. And then you got the Saints last week. We don't know what that game's going to mean now. The next two weeks are dependent on that. Yeah. But my question to you is, can the are the Panthers basically... I don't want to say screwed, but are they in a situation where they have to basically do this or bust? Is there not an avenue that they can go to? Is there a, is there a way of life, a way of their uh, game plan that they can go to that brings them another avenue to victory? I'm just not sure that that's there because, as I said, I just don't trust Sam Donald enough. I mean, I think that when you look at the results, we talked about it, and the majority of the third downs yesterday were eight and a half or better as far as yardage, and they only converted four of 11 of those. And so I think that's, you know, a little bit of an indictment. Not totally, but I just think that what we've seen from Sam Donald in the past, which, not to mention, did you hear on the, uh, the, guy, the broadcast, Gumble kept calling him? Uh, uh, he kept he, calling, he kept calling Donald? Trubisky Donald. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, um, I just think that, you know, we know we've seen from Sam Donald that if you put too much of the game plan, if you put too much on his plate, he's liable to turn it over at a rapid rate. And I think the coaches know that. And I think that they say, hey, we have to really put him in positions where the reads, you know, are defined or he has things there. And that's why that run game helps him so much is that it just defines a lot of things for him out there. He can make safe throws, keep the offense moving, take his shots every now and again. But if you give him the majority of the game plan where it's on him, I think that that is definitely not advantageous for the Panthers. So I don't know what your counter uh, is at this point if your run game is not there. Well, you astutely pointed out that a lot of the Panthers' bread and butter plays, the things that had been working, were things that the Steelers had snuffed out. And that's unfortunately a lot of times – 
and I think players do this. We talk about them more in that sense, but I think also play callers and coaches kind of feel their oats a little bit. They they feel their own hype. They they bind their own hype, and they think, okay, what we're going to do every week and what we've done the last couple of weeks is something that we're going to be able to do time in and time out. And the fact of the matter is, is that it became incredibly apparent that Ben McAdoo did not have an alternate plan for you know that LaVisca Chenault play not working, the, the old smokescreen and the counters off of it. They did not have an alternate plan for running Devont- Deontay Foreman 20 times and getting him 120 yards. They did not have something mm-hmm. that acted as a break glass case emergency. Yeah. We got to go do this because what we thought was going to work didn't work. Well, that's why I can't wait to see how this game is going to go this week with Detroit because the Steelers said everything about that game plan said – you're running basic vanilla stuff. We know if we take away your run game, you can't do anything else. So show us that you can. The Panthers did not. And that's why they set on everything short. Everything like you talked about, those smoke passes to Chenault and all the, the, the like I said, the, the play action, roll out, dump it to the tight end. They took away all of that. And they said, you're going to have to throw the ball down the field. You're going to have to play real NFL football where you hurt us for stepping up and, and stopping the run. And, and to the Panthers' defense, though, there, there aren't many teams in the NFL outside of the Buffalo Bills and maybe the Kansas City Chiefs that you can take their run game away and they're still going to be explosive offensively. The Chiefs and the Bills, you can come out and make them throw it 45, 50 times and they might beat you by two or three touchdowns because they're just that good. So the Panthers just kind of ran into a problem a lot of teams run into. If you're not able to be balanced on offense, you're going to struggle, especially if you don't have a difference make at quarterback. Somebody earlier said why the Panthers didn't go play action. Well, it's it's pretty hard to go play <laughs> Nobody's action. Nobody's buying that's, it. That's the thing. Let's say the, the whole part about the success of play action is it means <laughs> right. it's it's set up by an yeah. effective running game. If your running yeah. game is not effective, play action is basically wasted motion. Yeah. And so that's the part of it that I was like, I I, I just didn't feel like they had an alternate plan. And that, and that was what it came down to. They just did not have the ability to adapt after what Pittsburgh did uh, was basically affecting their entire homeostasis. The only thing that I'll come back... You bust out of science class. I know. I went went back into that. (laughs) The only other thing, too, that I would have gripes with is some of the decision-making. We talked about it earlier. Mm -hmm. Going for a quarterback draw on third and eight was not good. And... Some of the other uh, game situations, like like going for a zero blitz when you hadn't done a zero blitz the entire game, and then you end up getting one of those third downs converted against you, it, it just seemed like they picked their spots, whether it was on offense or defense, more out of desperation. But it almost felt like that that desperation uh, was not properly channeled in a way. Like sometimes teams can play desperate and they mm-hmm. look good, but I think a lot of times that desperation can go against you. And I feel like that was a little bit of the way the Panthers were playing in that second half. Yeah. And I think the desperation goes against you when you're limited. You know what I'm saying? Like there's, there's nothing more really that you can do. It's like, you want to be able to go into this bag of chips tricks, but you know, it's like Kobe once said, once he lost to the, uh, the Celtics that one, you remember when he said, I, you got me fighting guns with butter knives. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Remember that? <laughs> That's what it was That's like true. in the second half. And not calling the players butter knives, but just saying that once they have your game plan figured out, like you said, and they don't have a counter, it's hard to try to go into a, a bag of tricks and, and empty the playbook, so to speak, and, and start doing other things because it's just so hard. And that's, like I said, the biggest thing that I said uh, about Coach Wilkes going forward. I just worry about that offensive philosophy. Uh, but I had another thing, though, from this game as well. I'm ready. 
you know, I've been listening to this station, you know, a long time before I started working here and stuff like that, man. And not necessarily you, but I hear, you know, I've heard on this station, you know, that Jeremy Chen is his game wrecker and that he's this and that. And, you know, the, the, the analytics don't tell me that he's that. And I watched again yesterday, and I know he's been banged up a little bit this year, but I just don't see it with Jeremy Chen at this point. I, I think he's a decent player. The analytics tell me he's a decent player to a little bit below average. But I've heard on this station before that he's a game wrecker and that they, you know, they acting like he's Troy Palomalu out now, here. And I'm just trying to see what's up with that. When he was a rookie, uh-huh. he played a lot closer to the line of scrimmage uh-huh. and he was almost playing more so a linebacker. Mm-hmm. Now, last year, Phil Snow moved him back to being a center fielder and completely mm-hmm. took away a lot of his effectiveness. Yeah. They've tried doing that a lot more, but the problem with what happened yesterday is that they had to use him more in slot coverage mm-hmm. because of the absence of C.J. Henderson and Dante Jackson. They had to move Taylor to the outside, and they were using Jeremy Chin as almost kind of that slot corner. He had one uh, almost interception in the game, but I feel like, again, Jeremy Chin in coverage is not that dude. I don't think Jeremy Chin is that kind of hard-hitting guy out there in the middle. Jeremy Chin is best and is a game wrecker when he's a lot closer to the line of scrimmage. And for whatever reason, the Panthers, whoever is out there coordinating, are loath to do that because I feel like he honestly is a lot better when he's making plays at the point of attack. Yeah, because, you know, like I said, you look at the game yesterday, analytically, like I said, PFF, the one I like the most, he had a 40 grade, but... You know, you look at that because uh, you talk about down there in that box, but uh, old Najee left that jock strap up in the stands on that touchdown when he hit him with that. That's how it sounded with those feet. And he gave a little stiff on it. It was bye-bye. And then he missed another play on Deontay Johnson when he juked the whole Panthers team and got that first down before he got that stupid personal foul. But I'm just like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? So I just wanted to bring that to people's attention, too. It is uh, a real hard thing to digest when people who are supposed to be your supposed playmakers are not doing those playmaking things. Wesson Walker, Willie P. in for Walker, Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. It's time for a Fetty Flash. Uh, Some more news around the NFL, guys. The Green Bay Packers have released veteran wide receiver Sammy Watkins before tonight's game against... The Los Angeles Rams on Monday Night Football. Should the Panthers pursue bringing Sammy Watkins back closer to home? Of course, he played his college ball uh, uh, up in Clemson. Should the Panthers consider bringing him in to add another weapon to give Darnold the potential to throw the football to down the field? Can he throw? Well, he's a <laughs> wide receiver, Willie. Then the answer is no. Would abbreviate it for my son who may be listening to this. Man, eight, no. Okay, listen, this is a guy, I think the biggest indictment the Packers told him bye-bye. I think they gave him some decent Skrilla on the deal that they bought him in for. But Sammy Watkins was a guy that I thought, yeah, he was a guy that I definitely missed on. Uh, I thought he was going to be a stud of studs after the Clemson career that he had. So, no, man, I think Sammy is pretty much on his way out. I think the Panthers would be best served to probably leave him where he is. If DJ Moore was hurt, Maybe, but Sammy, man, he's just he's just been a disappointment. He's had his times where he's kind of flashed that potential we thought he had coming out of Clemson, but for the most part, man, he's been a disappointment. Granted, how dominant he was as a college player, he's one of the all-time great ACC wide receivers in my opinion. Texter goes, he's better than Shy Smith, is he? 
Oh, yeah, now nah, I give him that. I won't disrespect a man like that. He's definitely better than Shy Smith. At this point? Yeah, I, I, I say that. I what did Sammy Shy that. Smith do before last week? A couple catches. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> you should do that at the NFL what is, level. What is, what is Sammy Watkins doing right now? It's, it's not about, I mean, it's more about what he has the potential to do. I mean, you got to, dude, Shy Smith's probably one of the most disappointing players on this roster. He is. But I'm not, again, I'm, and I'm not sitting here and saying that he's going to all of a sudden turn this offense into a world beater because guess who the quarterback is? Yeah, but didn't we say earlier Sam wasn't the problem yesterday? He wasn't. I mean, like Bradley Bozeman was more of a problem than Darnold. There's there's a lot of room between Sam not being the problem and Sam being able to turn Sammy Watkins into what we thought Sammy Watkins was supposed to be. Okay. What? I mean, look, (laughs) look, it was just a simple question and you had to go get your panties in a wad. Listen, I uh, it doesn't take much. I mean, he had a 93-yard receiving game early this year, but that was about it, man. Sam is just struggling. Uh, as Panther Cliff goes, can he play DB? See now, again, this is we're, we're trying to <laughs> we're trying to fix the squares by putting round pegs in the, yeah. in the square hole there. Okay, we need we need more DBs. If 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 the if let's let's just say there's a random defensive back that is of some repute that goes on the you know on the waiver wire, yeah, I want the Panthers to be focused on that. You want Jaron Curse? Because I, I, dude, I will gladly fly to Dallas, cut his ass, fly him back to Charlotte so he can make crappy plays at the bank as opposed for the Cowboys. Well, I just need somebody who can actually cover a man better than Keith Taylor, my guy. I'm sorry, I, this is my dude, Keith Taylor. I called him a rising star last Keith year. You're all pro. No, I didn't, yeah. I didn't say all pro. I yeah. said he's a rising star last year is what I said. Yeah. And that was when he was the fourth best corner on this team. Yeah, Sammy's last 100-yard game was in 2019. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> it is Weston Walker with a P in for Walker. Sports Radio 97 WFNZ. A valiant effort, but more of the same from the Charlotte Hornets last night in Denver in an otherworldly game from one of the NBA's best. Sports Radio 97 WFNZ. Radio 927 WFNZ, Willie West, Woody Fitty. Hope you're enjoying yourself on this Monday afternoon. We've been trying to go through it. Uh, we might actually have a, a taker for Fitty's Arsenal gear. Very might so. Negotiating on the uh, on the text line. You're not happy that we're making this so easy, are you? You wanted me to have to work for this, didn't you? Oh, no, because, I mean, I want my money back. So, I mean, the quicker that you sell and you get, remember, you get 60% of the profit. So, as long as I get my 40%, you know, the sooner rather the later, you know. Now, if this nego- if, if this was negotiated outside of, say, the eBay realm, do I still get privy to the profits because we're helping negotiate it together? Yeah, no, remember, that was a part of the deal. We shook hands like a man. Because remember, at first you were like really against it because you, you thought I wasn't going to give you any of the cut. But I'm like, if you're doing the legwork, I'm at least going to let you profit and, you know, get you some extra Skrilla before you go to Antigua <laughs> uh, for your honeymoon. That way, when you splurge for like the honeymoon seat and Julianne is like, oh, Willie, how could you afford such a, you know, a, you know, a, a, a delicacy? You could be like, 
I sold Willie's Ar or Fitty's Arsenal gear, and now I can afford to go big or go home. Why do you always make me sound like I don't have, you know, uh, I didn't go through puberty? <laughs> did you? I did. I very much did. Oh, okay. Just because I know how to get my voice high on a Charlotte FC game does not mean that I, uh, I, you know, didn't go through the period of time that that certain biological things happen. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna get me in trouble one of these days. You and I are together on Friday, by the way. When when Wes uh, takes his vacation, you and I are together on Friday. We might burn the whole radio station down as yeah. Jeff walks past. It's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm kind of excited for it, to be honest with you. I think three hours just to bully you all to myself. It's gonna be bad. It's gonna be very bad. Uh, <laughs> It's what it is. Uh, Hornets, unfortunate weekend for them. They lose at home to Atlanta and then went on their West Coast trip beginning, and they lose in Denver last night. I'm going to take Atlanta as a non-event, if you're okay with that. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with, with, with... It was like a double blowout. Classifying that as a non-event because they... Uh, no, 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 that can't happen. Why not? Because how the hell does Steve Clifford go on that... That rant mm -hmm. the other night. And they give up 75 points in the first half. And then Touché. they come out the very – like, that's the biggest slap in the face. That, and, look, I was really mad at the way Clifford handled that rant because he kept on putting the blame on his players as opposed to taking any blame for himself. And then the other night they went out there and did that. That's the most disrespectful thing you could do to a coach. You actually texted me last night that they're playing as if they want him fired. Is I know it's only 30 games in, but are we looking at a scenario where this team's quit on him? I don't know if they've quit on him. I just don't know if they're any good. That's I mean that's I'm not trying to sit here and say harsh harsh words about it, but it's almost like the the problem wasn't James Borrego. Yeah. Call it call it call it me crazy. I mean I'm no, I, I thought that as well. I mean you get a guy that improves by 10 wins, two straight seasons. I mean what are we doing here? But. That Atlanta game, I said the same thing Fiddy said. I mean, it was just like what he said didn't matter to them at all. At least come out in the first quarter, show some type of grit, some type of fight, shove somebody, do something, man. And just come out and get blistered like that on offense, I think was a big indictment on this basketball team. Trust me, I wasn't I was not trying to to give them any any flack. I felt like we could or, or, or I'm sorry, absolve them from getting any flack. But what I'm trying to say is it seems like a lot of these things are starting to run together. And it's even like inside games. Like last night they were they were up a considerable amount in that game against the Denver Nuggets. They were up by as many in that contest as 12 mm -hmm. in that first half. And then Denver goes on a long run to end the quarter. I think it was 17-4 or something like that. And they end up having a five-point lead at halftime. And then in the second half, they just get blitzed in the third quarter because Nikola Jokic is the best player on the floor. He goes for 40, 27, and 10, oh. which is the best triple-double that has been has taken place in the game since Will Chamberlain did so in 1968. Chamberlain, and only the third 40-25-10 game. Him, Chamberlain, Elgin Baylor. So, and you look at that and you talk about that run, you know, Denver didn't get off on the right foot, went on a 42-16 run stretching across halftime, and it ended up putting them up 16 with 5.15 to go in the third quarter. And it was just a layup line mm -hmm. when you watch that game. Jokic is just coming down the lane. Uh, Bruce Brown, guys just left and right, coming down the lane, getting to the basket when they wanted to, which opened up the perimeter. 
And like I said, that there's no you don't see anything from the demeanor of any of those players that's showing that they're getting tired of that. Nobody going on a tirade on the bench. Nobody getting in a teammate's face on the bench. You know, nobody, there's no yelling, no screaming, nothing. And it's like, you know, I know that they care, they're pro athletes, whatnot, but you want to see something from this team that just shows that they give a damn, even if it's fake. I mean, good Lord. And it's just like, when is it going to stop? And that's why I posed the question on the Hornets also becoming a stat team for guys, especially when you talk about big men. Mm-hmm. You look at what MB put a 53 on them. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, that's that line. I'm sitting there watching the game. And I see that, I believe in the first half, uh, Jokic had 19 it was, boards. It was 21-21 at the halftime. Yeah, and I'm looking down and I said, at one point when he had 19, I said, good God. I said, he's got 16 and 19 in the first half. I said, this is crazy. So I think for bigs, I mean, hell. And that's why I also felt like bringing this to Mark Williams. Mm. I'm like, man, you telling me that he can't get if 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 – Everything that they say, oh, he's playing great, he's doing great, he's well, this and that. Well, he's hurt now, unfortunately. Right, but before that, I'm like, you telling me that he can't get minutes on this team with the way that they play defensively? Like, I don't care if he's ready or not. Bring Mark Williams up and give him a chance to be a rim protector that this team desperately needs right now because they got to have something down there in the middle. I mean, why not? What do you have to lose at this point? Worst wreck in the league. Bring Mark Williams up and give him some minutes. Yeah, I think I think once Mark Williams gets back from that left ankle sprain, you have to at least think about where his development yeah. is because heck, even just seeing Jalen Duran in the flesh, he looks better than Mark Williams, which I think is a, is a hard thing for this organization to have to handle because they had Jalen Duran in their possession, mm-hmm. traded him away for picks. And then they decided to go with Mark Williams instead. And I even before the draft was like, maybe Mark Williams is the better defensive guy, the guy that they were looking for from a rim protector standpoint. But Jalen Duran has proven that he can at least, you know, do a little bit of that. I'm not saying that he's going to be, you know, uh, Matumbo out there, but he's at least somebody who can give you more offensively than either of the guys who are up there right now. And, and I, you know, I love my guy, Nick Richards, but I think Duran's got a higher ceiling than, than that guy does. But the thing I like, about Duran that he did show when he came to, because I was a Mark Williams guy, obviously, and I worked for the ACCDN on all platforms, okay? But, um, you know, he was the best shot block in college basketball, but the thing about Duran is that that mentality, that nastiness, you saw it out there with him. He plays an intense brand of basketball. He crashes the boards. He plays a physical brand. That's what Coach has been asking for pretty much all season. But it's just got to be a point where, like I said, the Hornets have to make some deals, too, and just take into account some of the mentality and personalities that they're bringing in. They need some chippiness. They need some nastiness in that locker room. Guys that's going to hold guys accountable. Guys that are going to play with an intensity on the court. Because to be frank, I don't think we have it. I think this is a young team. They want to be fun. They like each other. They're not going to get on each other. And there's, there's just not a win-at-all-cost mentality in that locker room, even if it costs friendships for a couple of days. Wes, do you think they should have explored bringing back Isaiah Thomas and Montrez Harrell? Yes, definitely. They need, because I thought that those guys helped, even though Montrez doesn't play much defense, but he brings an intensity. He's going to get on guys when they're not doing what they're supposed to do. He might sacrifice a friendship for a couple of days until you need to get your bleepity bleep going and stop with the bleep. 
bleepity bleep 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 you know what i'm saying and then isaiah thomas is going to be that calming veteran force that can oh yeah also come out come off the bench and give you a bucket because maladon's a new guy he's not going to come in and and get on guys and tell them to do stuff he's trying to find his way so yeah i think that they would have done themselves a service to bring those guys back uh somebody asking i think it was dj skinner did anybody else get a rebound for denver oh yeah there were others uh aaron <laughs> gordon had a double double he was 19 and 10 the nuggets last night were plus seven in the rebounding category which uh, spelled a lot of doom for the hornets Last night in a 119-115 loss. Second game of a back-to-back tonight against Sacramento. They continue their West Coast swing, and then they'll be in L.A. for basically the better part of a week. Uh, we'll see what happens there with them uh, having to play the back-to-back against uh, the Clippers and the Lakers before heading next week and uh, concluding that West Coast swing as well. Plenty to get to here today on Weston Walker. Willie P. in for Walker. Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. We will come back. We'll recap a wild week outside of the Panther game, uh, week 15 of the NFL, which had a bunch of crazy finishes. And we got to talk about Fitties Cowboys We'll pick six actions. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Sports Radio 97 WFNZ.